Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. In honor of National Doctors' Day, today we're talking to one healthcare leader about how his health system works to reduce burnout and celebrate physicians. I'm joined today by Dr. Nigel Gergra, Chief Wellness Officer at Oshner Health in New Orleans. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Gergra, welcome back. It's been a while since we last talked. It's been a little while, I think about three years. It's so great to be back with you, Todd. I still have our AMA magazine with you on the cover on my desk, so I think about you a lot and all the work that you're doing down there uh, at Oshner. Um, we're having this conversation today to recognize National Doctors' Day, but in truth, every day should be Doctors' Day when it comes to making sure that physicians feel valued and fulfilled in their work. And I know this is an important mission for you professionally, but also personally. So let's just start off by talking about why. Yeah, so so March 30th is Doctors' Day. And, you know, really, every day should feel like Doctors' Day. It's, you know, the best prof profession in the world. Um, you know, it's one of the most trusted professions in the world. But unfortunately for many, um, March 31st and April 1st isn't going to feel like Doctors' Day. Um, you know, there should be joy in medicine every day we come to work. Every day should be a reminder of the calling uh, that we chose to, to, you know, when we enlisted in this profession to be a, a healer, to be a clinician, to be a scholar, to be a teacher. Um, you know, physicians are so innately purpose-driven. Um, but unfortunately, there's an increasing duality in our roles. There's the, the profession I just described, the one that we signed up for. And then um, another sort of area of our work, the increasing economic uh, regulatory, uh, clerical part of our jobs. It's sort of pushing many folks past their emotional limits. And, you know, I, as I said, every day should be doctor's day, but, you know, this is um, resulting in more burnouts. That's important to me personally, but this is sort of a professional crisis at a national level that needs to be addressed. And we're going to talk more about that because I know a lot of those things that you just mentioned there, those burdens are outweighing the time you get to spend doing what you love to do, which is taking care of patients. Um, yeah. This, uh, you know, focus on well-being became important to you. Uh, at the same time, it became a priority for Oshner. How did that intersection and timing help shape your involvement and approach there? Yeah, Todd. So I don't think I'd even heard of uh, burnout until 2013 when I returned to Toronto, where I went to med school for a, a med school reunion. Um, and I found out that one of my close friends from med school had died by suicide a couple of months earlier. Uh, he was a very prominent physician. Because he was prominent, you could get his own wiki page. You could Google uh, a little bit about the circumstances. And when I, when I did, um, it was really horrifying. So 2009, uh, documented issues with alcoholism, uh, substance use, um, loss of licensure the following year, credentialing, uh, a criminal court case with even witness tampering. And then incredibly bizarrely, uh, the Toronto Star had a piece about this high-speed uh, police chase across rural Ontario, and then uh, unfortunately his death. Um, so I was deeply affected, um, and I think that's when it became personal to me. Um, and then over the course of the next few years, um, you know, I started thinking about burnout um, more from the perspective of an organizational leader. So well-being is, is certainly a quality indicator that leads to other things that we want. 
uh, patient experience, uh, quality and safety outcomes, uh, even discretionary effort and financial performance. Uh, it's aligned nicely with our diversity, equity, and inclusion imperative. And I had several conversations with uh, Dr. Hart, our chief medical officer, and I knew he agreed. So around um, 2017, when he sent a letter out to the group practice, I think that was um, really the defining moment in terms of organizational intent. Well, it's hard to imagine uh, just 10 years ago where that was not a top of mind concern. Of course, a lot's happened uh, in between those times, including a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> your story is particularly resonant because I know uh, you know, when we especially didn't really know a lot of her thinking about this, it was hard to even recognize burnout. Uh, and maybe like your, uh, your colleague, your, some physicians may just be doing a good job at hiding the fact yeah. that they're struggling. Um, what should leaders and other physicians be watching out for in their colleagues and what implications can it have for organizations if it's left unaddressed? Oh, that's a great question. So I, I think there's been more of a national conversation. So I would say, um, you know, understanding your comments that more and more physicians are actually just opening up and saying, hey, I'm burnt out. Uh, I'm emotionally exhausted. I'm not finding work terribly satisfying. Um, but if that's not the case, I think it's important to pick up on other cues, um, like a shift in personality. Uh, folks become less talkative, uh, less presence, uh, less responsive, maybe more cynical, uh, sarcastic, um, frustrated. Uh, leaders can look at um, electronic uh, health record data to see if folks are spending more time after hours on the computer, we call that pajama time, or struggling with documentation. Um, sometimes the one over leader will make comments, but often I found um, you can hear things from the ancillary staff, the medical assistants, nurses, you know, just describing um, disruptive behavior, unusual, unusual behavior. So those things can be, you know, cues. And in terms of the importance, it goes back to what I said in my last comment, that we know uh, burnout, um, you know, will take away from the, the patient experience, uh, will lead to poor quality and safety outcomes, uh, worse discretionary efforts and, and uh and turnover, so very important. And potentially very serious outcome for the physician as well. So uh, it's so important that, uh, like the AMA, Oshner has been working to address uh, burnout and improve physician satisfaction for a long time now. Back in 2017, you established a well-being task force. Talk to us a little bit about what that task force does and how it's changed over time. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Sure. Um, well, I mentioned... Um you know, the organizational intent when Dr. Hart sent a letter out in May of 2017 about the organizational commitment to, to well-being. So he had asked me in July of that year, two, two months later, to chair the well-being task force. Um, and that task force was essentially um, about 20 different stakeholders, many physicians. We had project management support, input from HR. And uh, we were very deliberate about assembling data, so both quantitative data, 
Uh, we did the NASDAQ burnout inventory for the first time. We, we looked at our engagement survey data. We looked at our culture safety survey data. And um, so we combined that with qualitative data, um, comments from the surveys. I did a number of focus groups uh, across the organization um, and then we tried to distill that down to themes and a voice of the customer. And, and essentially there were five themes. Um, one was in the area of providing our physicians the fundamental tools to do their job, either staff or stuff. <laughs> um, another was promoting advanced team-based care um, and having everybody on the care delivery team practicing at the top of their license. Uh, a third was around respecting time. So getting folks off the computer and getting them home or in front of their patients or in front of their colleagues. Um, a fourth theme was around more consistent um, positive messaging. And also uh, a last theme was around um, um, uh, clarifying priorities. We know there's about a hundred important things that a health system has to do, but how can we make that um, simpler for our frontline physicians in terms of how they approach work? So. At the end of that, uh, I made a series, series of recommendations to our executive team the following year. One was to resource the role of chief wellness officer. Uh, and a second recommendation was to resource the office I now lead, the Office of Professional Wellbeing. So when you look back at the work you've done and you explore more deeply the drivers of burnout, I'm sure you've learned a lot over time. Can you share some of the key takeaways about maybe how those drivers are evolving? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. So there's probably about a hundred different drivers and, um, you know, drivers can be unique to different specialties at different facilities. But I think the three um, broad themes or the three most important drivers I've seen, uh, one is around practices inefficiency or workflow. We know that over time, that is probably the second or the, the biggest driver of uh, professional dissatisfaction. A second theme would be around the quality of leadership, the one over leader. We know that um, the quality of the one over leader, taking an interest in job crafting discussions, does, does the physician feel heard? Um, is his input, input important? We know that's a very important driver of professional fulfillment and a lack of uh, leadership quality as a driver of burnout. And then a third big bucket to me is around um, lack of mental health support and uh, basically the stigma around mental health that exists in the healthcare sector. Well, speaking to a, a couple of the themes that you just mentioned, especially around leadership, we know that COVID influenced uh, the work uh, in the area of burnout in, in a number of ways. And during this time, you wrote an open letter to your staff that had the highest ever response rate to an Ostner health executive communication. So tell us more about that letter, why you did it, and why it resonated so well. Well, that sounds a bit braggadocious in retrospect, but um, as, a, as a background, um, you know, pre-pandemic, our work had been heavily focused on practice efficiency and leadership development for the reasons I just mentioned. With the pandemic, um, you know, we had to uh, adapt and get into crisis support resilience. And then um, in the summer of 2020, you know, between the effects of the, the pandemic and um, seven hurricane threats in New Orleans, I, I found myself in a, in a funk. 
a big funk. And uh, every year I kind of go through a funk. Um, uh, July 26 represents the anniversary uh, a long time ago of the death of my son, Bennett. Uh, but usually I'm able to recognize those triggers and and um, compensate by planning a trip to Canada. Obviously, I couldn't do that in 2020. I'd had my first significant orthopedic injury. I wasn't exercising. And, you know, by August, things seemed to be um, spiraling in a bit out of control. Uh, eventually, I reached out for help and everything um, everything was good. But my moment of recognition was that many of us, if not all of us, have some version of that story. So early in September, you know, with the support of someone on our executive team, I, I wrote an open letter to all um, 34,000 employees where I described that story that I just described with you, Todd, and then discussed more broadly um, the issue of the stigma of mental health in healthcare. I was um, very nervous when I sent out that letter. Um, you know, by the end of the day, I received scores of replies. I think at the end of several weeks, 100 replies, lengthy emails, people saying this was going to be their call to action to reach out for help. So I think it, it did resonate. Um, and, you know, for some that may have felt timid, you know, about coming forward, I think it was a way of sort of normalizing the discussion around mental health, seeing a leader open up about their struggles. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Well, it's an incredible story. Um, as you've kind of moved out of the acute phase of the pandemic, how, how do you carry through the learnings that we've had over the course of these years and the sense of being in it all together uh, as you return to kind of more of business as usual, so to speak? Yeah, that, that's a challenge and that's a great question. Um, when I talk to physicians I work with, the theme is, you know, back to the future, or really should be back to the past, um, back to basics. And that is, you know, it's been great to, and very important to work on mental health resilience, but let's get back to, um, practice efficiency, addressing the administrative burden, uh, the clerical burden. And that really, Todd, requires shared accountability. So not just physicians working on this, but everybody all in, um, the, uh, the corporate units, um, the EHR IT folks, um, everybody within the health system sort of locked in in improving, um, you know, physician well-being, healthcare workforce well-being, because I think that is, the lack of well-being is really an existential threat to achieving what we desire to as a profession. And that's a perfect message for Doctor's Day. You know, the themes that you've pointed out here, number one, addressing these kind of structural issues, the system level ones that are just creating so much burden for physicians, but also uh, really opening up yourself and uh, uh, for others, a pathway to ask for help, 
uh, when they need it, especially having been through the trauma of a pandemic. Um, talk to us a little bit in closing about uh, reducing those burdens again. Uh, how have you done that? Uh, what, what's been kind of most significant step in the eyes of your physicians and how have they responded to that? Yeah, it's, it's, that's another great question. I think um, any success we've had has been to be strategic and put strategy over tactics. That being said, uh, I think our physicians need to see quick wins. About three years ago, we did the um, tap and go with the EHR where you could save time by not having to log in endlessly. Um, and it, it's sort of a series of quick wins. A couple of years ago, we established a, a pharmacy refill clinic where um, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians working with software and AI could basically remove 70% of uh, messages uh, um, around refills from our physicians. That on average saves 30 minutes. Um, last year, we started a working group around reducing you know, best practice alerts, um, reducing BPAs uh, by over 70%. That saves another 15 to 20 minutes. So it's not gonna be one thing. It's gonna be a series of, of accomplishments or initiatives that will sort of reduce the clerical burden. I love that those stories, quick wins are you know so important and just listening to the minutes that you were outlining there, they add up, uh, not just really in a do. day, but over the course of a year and uh, you know, uh, really have an impact. Um, I actually heard one story, um, one of our primary care physicians after we um, unrolled that uh, pharmacy refill clinic says that he went home at five o'clock and his wife had thought that he'd been fired from work because he was home 45 minutes earlier than usual. That's amazing. Pretty, pretty hilarious, pretty sad. Anything on your kind of radar screen that's uh, the big thing you want to still accomplish for the coming year? Um, yeah, I think there's still um, a lot of work to be done in the area of mental health stigma and mental health support services. I think Oshner, along with other health systems, can um, can be a catalyst for change. I was really delighted to hear a couple of months ago that our state licensing board in Louisiana had reduced or eliminated questions around mental health, substance use. Um, I'd like to think that we were an influencer, so still a lot of work to be done in that area. I worry about all of our physicians, but I'm really worried about our primary care physicians and the administrative burden. So really starting to dig deep in there in their workflows and try to Im improve their workflows, uh, you know, over the next few years. Really, um, another area would be really to sort of experiment with new models of care, uh, advanced team-based care models, and there's a lot of work to, to be done in that area. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of work still to be done in articulating the business case around well-being, you know, to a CFO or to, to uh, somebody who works in the corporate um, business units. I mean, it still remains kind of fluffy. Um, you know, people can sort of get the business case around turnover uh, and the cost of recruiting, ramping up. But I think we can do a better job of really attaching dollars to discretionary effort, attaching dollars to patient experience, attaching dollars to quality and safety outcomes. So I think there's more work to be done. Um, I'd like to think there's a lot more work to be done in these areas. 
Dr. Gergert, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's been an honor for the AMA to be working with you uh, on physician wellness efforts at Ochsner, and uh, I think you've had a huge influence on physicians across the nation at the same time. Uh, thanks so much, uh, and a happy Doctor's Day out there to all the physicians who are listening uh, at the AMA. We certainly value the work that you do. Uh, that's why reducing physician burnout is a key part of the AMA's recovery plan for America's physicians. I urge you to take a look at that at ama-assn.org recovery. We'll be back soon with another episode. You can catch all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Take care.